BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Happy Friday, Freckled Foodie family. Today, I am joined by a new friend who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person, but I was connected with through a mutual friend, just recommended that maybe this is a conversation that we could have and share more publicly to help women going through fertility struggles. So today we are speaking with Clarissa Janessa. She was introduced to me by a friend who spoke with her about her journey of infertility and miscarriages and was like, I wish that we could have recorded that entire conversation and shared it with all the women going through this because so many women are struggling with this topic and it's not discussed enough. And so my friend reached out to me and said, maybe this would be of interest to you. And I I've always wanted to have this conversation because I think so many women go through whether it's miscarriages or infertility and I cannot speak to that because I haven't gone through it. I can't put myself in their shoes. I can't imagine what they're going through and at the same time, I really want to have an episode to reference for people or just help anyone who's going through this feel less alone because as I've told you all before, I think Feeling alone is one of the most isolating emotions, especially when compounded on top of other mental health struggles, whether it's anxiety, depression, grief, whatever it is, you name it. The loneliness aspect can just make everything feel much worse. And I'm so grateful that Clarissa was so willing to be so incredibly open and share her journey and experiences with us. And I obviously do want to note trigger warning for anyone who is going through or has gone through any of these struggles. Like obviously this episode dives in a lot into them and her journey. So just be forewarned. Um, I think that it would be helpful, but I obviously want to just put that out there and it depends on what mental state you are in, in this moment, whether you want to listen either way, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And if you're someone who hasn't gone through any of these things, I still think it's very helpful to hear because what I'm realizing is as a female in this world, the older you get, the more people you know who are going through this. And I think she provides a lot of helpful insight on just more information and kind of, again, insight into what women are going through so that you could then try to be a better friend or support system for someone you know who's going through it. So without further ado, here's Clarissa. Good morning, everyone. I am so pumped. Thank you so much for joining us, Clarissa Janessa. I'm super excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This is actually my first time ever doing a podcast. So, Oh, fun. (laughs) I love having people on for their first time. Well, thank you. Honestly, thank you for having me and um, for reaching out. And I think this is going to be hopefully a good subject for a lot of different people. I think it'll be a really helpful episode. And it's something that I've always wanted to discuss, but obviously I haven't had the personal experience to share. So it's not my story to tell and help others with. So I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you, Katie, if you're listening for connecting us. Um, And I think it'll just be very helpful for women because I know there are a ton of females going through similar journeys that you have been through. And it just always helps to have a voice to remind them that they're not alone. So to kick things off before we dive into this journey that we're mentioning, how would you define success? Um, just for everybody to know, I just heard about 
I was going to get this question asked like a few minutes ago, but um, uh, I mean, I think success, it's pretty much, I think, I mean, this might be sound stupid, but like within you, I think, you know, like I remember when I was like, not long ago, I was like, oh my God, I thought that at 35, I'd really had my shit together, but I, I still don't. And I don't think that takes away from my success. I think, you know, I have a beautiful child, an amazing husband, and I really like what I do. And I think that's already success on its own, right? I think it's just really being grateful with what you have and, and, and being in a part of your life that you really know how to acknowledge that even though it feels a lot like shit most of the time, like especially now with COVID, you know, I think just even waking up every morning and, and, you know, being able to just enjoy sunshine and wind in your face, it's pretty much success. Like so many other people don't have that at all. So totally agree. I think we get very wrapped up in this version of success that we've been given by society and media and like what we've been told from a very young age is quote unquote successful. And I think finding like the happiness and joy in the very small moments, as you said, just waking up, seeing the sunshine, wind in your face, like the success of even being able to do that is huge and it's everything. I mean, it, I I think we really take for granted the fact that we wake up every day until we don't. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just to bitch about time change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you mentioned your child and we've discussed a journey that we want to dive into. You have struggled. Is it safe to say, would you say you struggled or you're still struggling with fertility? I mean, we're still struggling. Um, I think, I don't know if I, I mentioned to you, I mean, first of all, for everybody that, um, that obviously doesn't know me, um, did you say my name? Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we, like we had a, we have, um, a beautiful baby boy. His name is Henry. He's actually the coolest kid on earth, even when he's lately, um, throwing a little bit of his, um, tantrums for the first time, but he is a surrogate baby. And, you know, we, it took us a long time long long time to get even to him um and now we've been struggling for a year now um to have a second one where we thought it was definitely not going to be the case because our surrogate successfully carried henry um it was the first take um we only had one embryo when we met her um which is why another surrogate had bailed on us because she was just like like fuck that's too much pressure I can't deal with just one embryo and we weren't sure if we can get more anyways we had one embryo he took the first time with Jennifer who's our surrogate and then you know it was great we delivered him I actually delivered him I pulled him out which was absolutely so cool it was it was amazing yeah like it was amazing I mean it was kind of crazy because to make things more complicated I had just had my uterus removed four days before Henry was born. So I literally am the one that shows up like no belly, nothing high as a kite with like, I'm drug meds being like, like I'm having a baby. And people are like, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm in the wheelchair. And, um, anyways, I, um, it was a long labor, but I got off a little, like I I stopped taking my drugs a little bit before. So I could actually be aware I'd carry my child (laughs) and, um, I fully pulled him out and it was, the most surreal, insane experience of my entire life. But she, um, and she's insane. She literally like popped the baby, drove home after she was just like, you know, like six hours later, her kids came too, and they were like absolutely amazing. But um, she offered to carry our second child as well. And we've tried four times with her to no no success because we did more, um, two more rounds of IVF. So at this point, sorry, somebody's at the door. Okay. At this point, we've had um, three rounds of IVF. Um, or I can't even remember. Three, three rounds of IVF. And um, and we tried four times. And honestly, it's like when you start think, taking things for granted, I was literally like, oh, this is going to be so fast. Like, it took the first time. Like, whatever. We can wait a little bit longer until Henry's bigger. And we can get more settled in life. And then didn't take the first time. Didn't take the second time. Third, fourth. Like, and obvious like and she's she's been devastated she's like I don't understand how you've done this she's like this you know it it really takes a burden on you 
Um, and then the doctor told us, ugh, doctors sometimes can be such assholes. He called us and he was like, oh yeah, so I hear um, good news is on the way. I'm like, no, it didn't take. Didn't you read your file before you called? Like, what? Like, And he's like, oh, it didn't? Like scrambling the pages. And then he's like, oh, oh yeah. Um, okay, well then I guess you need a new surrogate. Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, as if, like, sure. <laughs> and and maybe a new doctor while we're at it. And maybe a new doctor, right? <laughs> so he, um, they're just so used to it. It's like, you just become like cattle. At that yeah. Point. But um, yeah, no. And then obviously that was devastating. And then we've been trying to find another surrogate, but a lot of them don't want um, families with already with a child. Um, or they also want, which is, yeah, it's weird. And then, I mean, it's, I mean, to each their own. I don't want to call it weird. Because I, I understand that, you know, there's so many desperate families there that just would want one. And I should be, right. I am very grateful that I have one, but I definitely want a sibling and more. Um, yeah, but it's not, I, I feel that then leads, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I you, you shouldn't feel greedy for wanting another child. Think about how many people want other children and, you know, they're yeah. fortunate enough to be able to get pregnant and have the child. But just because you want a second doesn't make you greedy or any less yeah. deserving. And just really quickly before, because I want to get into the surrogacy of everything, yeah. because I Personally, I have no knowledge of that process and I do not think it's discussed enough. Um, But I also want to rewind just a second and or for longer than a second, but to dive into more of like what led you to this surrogacy process, because I think that what led you there is what a lot of people might currently be going through. And then I want to dive into the surrogacy in general as an option for the end result of a child. So I know we spoke on the phone and you told me the longer story of everything, but can you walk everyone through of your like early fertility journey? Yeah. So, um, actually ever since I was, uh, not ever since, but like, I remember when I was young, um, I used to get really, really horrible cramps um, and to the point where I used to faint and nobody really, and I didn't know that they were cramps because I, I really felt like I needed to poo really, -hmm. really badly, which is like, I'm sorry for them, but like, I really felt that. And then like something kind of came over and then I just kind of like blacked out. It was like, it was pain basically. Um, But I didn't really know what that was. And my, I remember my parents took me to like check my brain and check whatever they put all these like, gooey things on your head and like everything and nobody could figure out what it was. I'm Dominican. And even though there's great doctors, like sometimes there's also a little bit of, of delay on certain things. Right. Um, and then one day randomly, I just went to the, um, gynecologist, um, Mm -hmm. um, and they just for a regular checkup and they're like, Oh, Whoa, you have cysts the size of your, like a baseball, like a softball. And I was like, really? It was like, that explains things. Um, anyway, so, we were started monitoring it and I started going to Miami and I was very young. And I remember the doctors being like, Oh, you, you probably will need to get pregnant sooner rather than later, blah, blah, blah. They put me on birth control so that it can control the growth of whatever. Anyways, I, I grew up with the mentality and thank God my parents raised me was just like, you know, don't rush, like have your life be in a place that you need to be. And like, like kids, you know, there's ways, but I never really, you're young. You never really think it's going to really actually happen to you. Um, and my husband and I, I actually met, we met in New York. We did our masters together in Parsons and, you know, like we kind I kind of like mentioned to him, like, you know, this might be a situation, but like, I don't want you to ever feel blah, blah, blah. Cool. Done. That was it. Like subject out of the way. He's pretty open. We're both have a great relationship. We moved to Toronto and not married, which for my parents, that was like a huge thing. Like, and I got pregnant and I did not know I was pregnant and I was bleeding and spotting a lot. And because my periods were so heavy, I wasn't really, I was like, maybe it's just a weird time again that I'm having this periods, but I was actually having a back pregnancy, miscarrying or whatnot. I did not know that at the time. So and we figured out that I was pregnant. I was bleeding a lot and we went to emergency and they thought it was an ectopic pregnancy. And I was for the first time 
realized that this was a real thing. I'm like, and it's, it's, it's like so indescribable because I was terrified because we're not married. And I was like, Oh my God, his mother is going to think that I'm like a gold digger or whatever that I'm just want to knock myself up or whatever. And I really was debating like, do I want this child or not? And that was also really hard and really hard to admit for me for a long time. Um, but you know, the decision was made for us. Um, it wasn't an ectopic pregnancy. It was a, a, a miscarriage. They just couldn't see much because I had a lot of fibroids. So it was just, everything was, was more complicated. And they said, we have to remove the, the fetus because it's not like it's in anyways. And they're like, you have to come back tomorrow. And I was like, no, take this thing out of me. Like now I just, anyways. And they, this was the Mount Sinai here in Toronto. They were amazing they put me to talk to this grief counselor and like she was telling me how this is normal anyway she actually suggested I was so desperate I could go to um, an abortion clinic which is legal here in Toronto and I actually went and I told them my situation to take it out and they did and it was awful and a relief and um, it was embarrassing um, I didn't really tell anybody, just my husband and I knew. Um, and I think that was the biggest mistake I had because I, I'm very open and I talk a lot about my, my own things. Um, and by not saying that, a few months later, I actually started having panic attacks and I didn't even know what a panic attack was. Mm-hmm. Um, and my doctor basically said, have you had anything big in your life recently? I was like, well, yeah, this happened. And she's like, that's it. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fucked. <laughs> and can I, it is fucked. And I'm curious because a, like the surprise pregnancy brings on so many emotions before like, and, and you're then realizing there's a surprise pregnancy at the same time that you're realizing that the pregnancy did not take like, so all of those emotions wrapped up in one. I had a, this pregnancy is a surprise pregnancy for me. So the emotions in that moment were a ton. I can speak to the surprise aspect of it. Um, and I think also what you mentioned, I, I'm married to my husband. We were close to potentially trying. So it wasn't, I didn't have the feelings of, do I want to keep this baby or not? But I know those emotions are very real for majority yeah. of surprise pregnancies. And yeah. I personally am very pro-choice. I think every woman should have the right to decide what they want to do. Um, but the embarrassment that you mentioned, I just want to touch on that for a second because, and we'll dive in more as this continues, but did you feel that stemmed from you were like, I can't believe I miscarried or was it like you didn't want to tell people because you were embarrassed you got pregnant and you weren't married yet? Like, where did that lie? Everything. Yeah. I was embarrassed um, with, with mostly with myself and with Steve um, over the fact that this might become a reality that I couldn't carry a child. And now I'm going to start getting a little bit. Um, I was like, since forever, I've always wanted a belly. And I've always like, mm-hmm. literally was like, Oh, like I'm going to wear that little outfit. And I don't know, like I, it's all, it's always been what I wanted. And then I was like, I can't like, will I ever give this to Steve? And then I was like, well, did I not want it bad enough for the baby to stay with me? And or with us, and then it was what? Well, not even my parents, because even though my parents, again, they're very much old school. I'm Dominican. Like I had a curfew. Literally, even if I was living in New York, I came home. You still had a curfew. Like you know, like my dad is the one that walked me out to the door and like what waited for me awake, like all that stuff. But I knew they were going to understand it a little bit more because they understood my situation and my concerns about getting pregnant before. And they were actually way more worried than me because they were, we were adults. And I was just like right. young and careless and whatever. Um, so they were always more concerned about that. But it was also about the fact that, my, like, it was embarrassed about everything. Like, I got pregnant, not wedded, and I didn't want my in-laws to find out because I was scared of what they would think of me. And I was already, I had just moved to Toronto, and I was like, is like too much. I was embarrassed of my career. I was like, I was embarrassed of, of the fact that I went to an abortion clinic cause I couldn't wait. Like 
when I walked to Mount Sinai, I was a disaster. They had to sedate me. And I'm not embarrassed to say that um, now, mm -hmm. but I was then. And, you know, now still, and I think I mentioned this to you, I still take antidepressants, not from that particular moment, from others moment that happened after that I just couldn't take it anymore. And I'm like, I, I need help. Um, and still to this day, like, when we were trying before Henry, before Henry, at least I had a, uter a uterus. So I felt like even if we have a surrogate, who knows, maybe I can still carry a child. Like there's still that kind of hope, but now it's like, everything's just completely out of my control. Like mm -hmm. I cannot find a surrogate. I can, my surrogate cannot get pregnant and I cannot even try. Um, we are, um, a different thing now this is a different subject we are considering adoption and that's something that mm -hmm. I want to do regardless one day like whether we I definitely want to adopt that's out of the question it's just that we want to be prepared in case this child needs more financial help with you know like depending on right. drug addict or whatever like so we need to be in that place um but it's just it, it now we're like derailing. There's so many. I know. So wait, <laughs> I, before we get into the potential next steps and where we are now, going back to this moment. So you had this first miscarriage. Yeah. And after that, then what begins to happen? Because obviously you, you didn't share with anyone other. It was just you and your husband, which I believe that feeling alone is one of the most isolating emotions oh, to oh. exist. Um. And, you know, that's why, honestly, on my platform, I try to share so much because A, like selfishly, it helps me work through things when I get all these DMs being like, I'm experiencing this too. But B, because I know people are out there feeling like they're alone in these emotions. And if they hear someone else speaking about them, they realize they're not. So I try to do that. And this is honestly one of the main reasons I wanted to have this conversation because I can't speak to this journey, but I know how many women are struggling with it. And I think specifically with miscarriages, there's this feeling of loneliness and shame around it because you're not, a lot of women don't want to share with even their close friends that it happened for some reason and not for some reason, but there's this feeling of like, well, it's again, I, I didn't experience this, but from what I've been told, there's a feeling of like, well, it's my fault and it's not at all right. at all, but there's shame around it. And then there's the loneliness on top of it and it just compounds. So after this first miscarriage, you mentioned you were struggling, you started having panic attacks, um, you started seeing professional help. What then, I mean, what then continues to happen with this fertility journey? So um, my husband and I had the, con that basically we made the conscious decision that we were not going to um, have more protection or anything, that we were just going to, if we got pregnant, amazing. And if we didn't, then, you know, like that's that. But um, I started actually seeing fertility acupuncturists and everything. Um, and then um, more miscarriages happened. The second one, you know, I actually spoke to my friends about it. And at that point I had a fertility acupuncturist and I honestly think she saved, she saved me more than like doctors like, or like, Oh, let me just give you this pill. And I honestly wasn't seeing a therapist. I still haven't, which is stupid of me. Um, but my, my acupuncturist was my therapist and she, literally she was I took forever to miscarry as well which was to make things worse <laughs> it was um very complicated process I always needed help my numbers were never going down steadily enough which could cause an infection depending on what it was so I had to be very monitored I'm terrified of blood drawing so I would go to Sunnybrook by myself because again I don't have my parents here or anything uh, and and to be also to make things worse I never told my parents not once they didn't know I had a miscarriage until after we had a surrogate. Um, and they would always call and ask, Hey, how's it going? When are you going to give me a grandkid and all these things, which are things that everybody does, but those questions suck. And so it's loaded. not just your parents, it's your friends. It's you get married and everybody's like, so when's the baby coming? I'm like, little do you know that we've been trying for years. <laughs> um, and People just need to like, it's none of your business. And it always comes from a good place. And my parents definitely came from a good place. And they're my parents. They have the, the right to ask. But I also have the right to keep it to myself. And I also, you know, prop. I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's just, it's a very, um, 
like it's a very hot topic in the sense of, and I don't mean hot, but I mean like everybody says that pressure is real, especially with Instagram and all these announcements and everybody asking you all these questions. And, and it's so, it, it's so belitt- belittling. Is that the word? Like you feel so yeah, belittling. belittling. You feel like you're like, you know, like the one thing a woman is supposed to do. Right. According to like just how we grow up. It's not. There's a, a lot of my girlfriends now are like, I don't want to have a kid. Good for you. And even though I'm like, I probably, a lot of other people would have been like, what? You know how hard it's been for me to have a kid? Kids are hard too. And you know, you have the right to not want a kid. You have the right to have an abortion and you have the right to feel like shit if you cannot carry one. Mm-hmm. And, and mope and cry. And you know, when my sister-in-law got pregnant, I couldn't go to the office for two days. I was so happy for her. So happy. But then I literally was like, I was so sad for me. I was legit in bed for two days. I think there's so much to unwrap here. And, you know, I, yeah, sorry, sorry if you guys hear these <laughs> horns honking, something's going on on my street. Um, like I even mentioned, I do like a and a the first of every month. And every time it's like before I was pregnant, when are you joke? When do you think you're going to have kids? How many kids do you want? When are you going to get pregnant? I joke that like the second you move in with your boyfriend, it's like when you're getting engaged or partner, when are you getting engaged? And then the second you're engaged, when is the wedding? Like the next day. And then it's the day after you're married, when are you going to have kids? And I said in my stories one day, I was like, guys, I'm not trying to have kids right now. So I'm not even speaking to this from a personal experience, but if I had been trying and had not been able to conceive and you are flooding me with these questions, I would have such a hard time. So quit asking people like your close friends. If it comes up in conversation, that's one thing. If you guys are talking about timing and you're talking about potentially having kids and you're like, what are your thoughts on it? That's one thing. But like to be like, well, when are you going to get pregnant? You have no, you never know what someone's going through. And so I do just want to say, and I fully used to do this to people before I was in this position. Like I used to always ask. And I, again, it comes from a good place, but you've no concept of what people are going through and it can be such a triggering question. And what you said about social media, like it's something I'm, I struggled with when we just, when we were announcing I was pregnant and then also just continuously, because there's this feeling on the flip side of things, you know, I haven't had, the most enjoyable, like my first trimester, I actually was incredibly depressed. I felt incredibly anxious, alone, isolated, even though I had told majority of the people in my life by week five, um, I still, I just really, really struggled. I could not get out of bed. I, I My symptoms were awful and I didn't feel connected to the baby. And I felt so much shame around that. And I hated I felt guilty that I didn't enjoy my pregnancy. And I felt guilty because it's like, well, so many women want this and I finally I'm having it. And it's just such a, like you said, hot topic, but like it's, it's difficult to navigate from all angles because as I'm sharing my journey very publicly on Instagram and I'm sharing things that aren't fun, like there are aspects of pregnancy I fucking hate. And When I say that, there's then I feel an internal guilt because women are told, well, if you get pregnant, you're supposed to love every second of it. But you shouldn't feel guilty about it because, again, like what I'm trying to get at with this is I made the decision of keeping it to myself. And even if you talk to somebody, I still feel lonely. I talk about it openly Mm -hmm. to everybody. And it's a very personal journey. I still feel very lonely um, with this subject. But it's like... That fact that you said that you were not connecting with a bit, you should be proud on that on its own. And you shouldn't shut up about it. You can talk about it because you're helping other women. We need to learn how to make the decision also that shut down your Instagram. If you can't see this, shut it off. If like Mm -hmm. somebody's asking you a question, tell them, sorry, like, you know, like that was not like what I needed to hear right now. Or, you know, girlfriend just um, actually had a miscarriage um, last week and, been talking a lot um, about it, obviously. She has two beautiful kids, two beautiful boys. And people are like, oh, but you know, at least you have your two boys and now you have an angel in heaven. And all. And she's like, at first she was like, oh, I'm totally okay. I should be grateful. I have two kids. I'm like, but you know what? You're entitled to grieve. Either you can either choose not to, and that's fine. If you don't feel anything, totally fine. Totally respect that. 
get at it, girl. If you feel something, take that moment to grieve. Like there's no right or wrong. You have to do what's best for you. And it's like something that we really need. And I feel like a lot of the people are that like with meditation and learning how to connect with themselves. That's something that when I was growing up, nobody taught me how to understand my feelings and protect them and talk about them openly. Now I know that for me, a form of therapy is talking about my grief and mm-hmm. talking about what I went through. And still, that doesn't solve everything. I still feel like shit a lot. I still wish I carried my son. Am I grateful? A hundred thousand percent. Would I wish that my husband had the chance to touch my belly? Yeah. Would I wish that my husband actually had a wife that could get pregnant? Yeah. That we didn't have to like spend all this, you know, money, time, effort, like emotions on these things. Right. Um, but it shouldn't minimize the fact that that's how you felt. People need to choose to get out. Like I read the other day, it's like social media becomes a place where everybody wants to give you their opinion on everything. It's like, if you're invited to my house and you don't like my drapes, you don't, did you read that somewhere? Yeah. The meme it's, I, you, I was laughing while you were saying this, the meme of like, Coming onto my page and telling me you don't like my content and telling me to change it is like you walking into a house and being like, I hate that sofa. Get a new sofa. Like you would never do that. And like trash everything, like come and throw a chance in my house because your sofa is like, you know, like pink or whatever. Like, you know, like respect my space and respect what I'm saying, respect how I'm feeling. That's it. Mm -hmm. And if you want to open up about it, good on you. Like, yeah, you like it unfollow. Oh, yeah. I say that all the time. And I think what you mentioned, even like what you were saying about your friend, I've been sharing this a lot in like the term suffering Olympics, where there's this false misunderstanding that and like story word fed that if you have good things in your life, you can't also struggle and that you always have to be toxically positive and grateful. And I call bullshit on that, you know, like. I have, it's honestly what spiraled my anxiety and depression to an nth degree when I was going through it because I felt on top of the mental health struggles that I was going through, an added layer of guilt of like, but I have this wonderful partner. I have this amazing apartment. It was when I was working in the corporate world. I have the job everyone wants. I shouldn't get to feel like this. Like you're still entitled to your emotions no matter how much good stuff is happening to you. And I went on this huge rant about this and like after the Meghan Markle Oprah interview, because like the prime example, this woman is like a TV star becomes a fucking princess and is at one point suicidal. And it like mental health does not discriminate. If you have money, if you have children, if you have all these things, you can, you're still entitled to your emotions and there's no suffering Olympics of like, well, they have it worse. Someone always has it worse than you. And that doesn't mean that you're not also allowed to struggle. So I think that's a huge thing that is a whole different discussion and that I'm really trying to make sure people are aware of, but back with, I I don't want to skip over this. How many actual miscarriages did you end up having? Four. Four. Okay. And over what? Not okay. I'm very sorry. I know I've said that to you before because we've talked on the phone, but how long of a time period was this all over? Six years. Okay. And yeah, go ahead. No, no, sorry. So within this time period, at what point were you like, I cannot, eventually, obviously it led you to having a surrogate. At what point was it like, I I cannot try and do this again and we need to look into other options? So um, I got connected to the head of OBGYN and and babies at Sunnybrook, who's literally like, I'm in love with him. <laughs> um, he uh, he helped me through my last miscarriage. Actually, he had to give me um, MTX shot, which is basically what they do for cancer patients to help me miscarriage. And he he was so human about it. Um, he because like one of the other miscarriages, I had to go to emergency because I was bleeding a lot, and it was awful. The doctors like honey, you're not having this baby. Like you're not having this baby, like literally as of nothing. And I like, it was, it was, it was literally the moment that I actually was like, I'm never having a baby. Like it was like the way she said it, 
anyways, it was awful. But then this guy was so kind. He's like, as he was giving me the shot, he said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Like, I'm just, you know, you're basically so young. Like, it's like imagining my daughter. That humanized things to the level. And then he sat with me and he's like, Clarissa, we need to, we need to figure something out. Because this is like already too much. It's hard on your body. Every time you need help. And he's like, I know you want to keep trying, but let's get you help. Let's go to fertility clinic. He passed me in immediately. But the first time with the fertility clinic, the doctor immediately was like, like, if you were my daughter, I wouldn't let you try again. Like, it's too risky on you. You might end up with like those little poo bags. Um, you know, like it's risky for the baby. You might have to be in bed rest for like the whole thing. Anyways, it was just, he's like, if you actually want to try I can't be your doctor basically. And at that point, my husband and I were like, whatever, we just want a baby. Like, I don't care how the baby comes. Like, you know, and he said, have you heard about surrogacy? We're like, yep. And he's like, would you be interested in one? And we were like, of course. And he literally sent an email as if it was just ordering food. And he's like, somebody's going to reach out to you tomorrow. But you know, like the whole process, what, you know, I hated when I was one miscarriage than the other, the hope is so much there and you're so scared, but you're still being like, maybe this is it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I remember like, I was, I'm like this time I'm eating healthy. <laughs> I bought the books, like, like to do microbiotic diets. And my husband and I were doing all these things. Like I was working out. Um, I remember even like, when I was at one of my best friend's wedding in Muskoka and I was so tired and everybody's like, Oh, you're pregnant. And I was like, I am. And actually I was like, whatever, like, it's not like, you know, you have to announce it three months, but like, who cares? I'm so proud of it. I'm pregnant. And if I, I, if it doesn't work, I'm going to meet you guys. So I said it immediately. And I remember I slept the whole time while we were in Muskoka and then we went to the wedding and I had the best time. Um, but I did have a sip of wine, not a glass, a sip, which I don't care if you have a bottle. But, you know, I had a sip of wine and I remember when I miscarried, I told my doctor, is it because I had a sip of wine? It's because I danced too much. You know, like you immediately start blaming yourself, finding anything. Is it like I was too sleepy? Maybe I should have known and maybe I should have done something. He's like, Clarissa, there's nothing. You could have drank five bottles of wine. There's nothing you could have done. It's like, it's just not going to happen. And it's not on you. And but every little thing you're like, but, but why the fuck is it happening to me again? Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, but you know, like next time or like, it was so early. It doesn't matter if it's a day old. It doesn't matter if it's not, I mean, I can't even imagine like, you know, the getting to the point where, you know, it's much longer ahead, but I, people need to understand grief is grief. And when they tell you, oh, at least it was early. Oh, the hope is there. And mm -hmm. when it's later, even more so, like, but it's there. Hope is hope. And, and, and literally it's like, and I'm very, I'm a designer, so I'm very graphic. I've already imagined my little baby. I already like imagining the nursery, the outfits, the playing in the park, like the moving, everything. And that's all gone in like a whip. And then you're supposed to like pick up, go to work the next day as if nothing happened. Like I remember my husband and now I'm like ranting, but and this is very personal. I don't know if I told you this, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of women feel in this situation. My husband is a great, great guy. Men don't necessarily understand what you're going through. First, your hormones are like all wacky, but also we're just wired differently, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was miscarrying, I was in the sofa with my legs up and I was hoping that the baby was just staying there. And I was texting with my girlfriend who actually had to deliver a, born, a stillborn. And that was, you know, but she was my support during the whole time. And she, um, she was with me when everything was happening over the phone and I went to the toilet and there goes the baby. And I was obviously devastated. And um, my husband, I called him and he's like, why are you crying? But he meant it in the way of like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. But he, it sounded like, I'm like, what do you mean? Why are you crying? You fucking psycho. Like, I right. just like saw your baby in the toilet. Like, like this is very morbid. I took a photo. I was like, here you go. You like, whatever. He didn't come from the work to home. Like he just 
shut, shut down. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to get a divorce. This is awful. And my girlfriend was like, Clarissa, it's normal. My husband's mom called me and she's like, how's it going? And I said, it happened. She's like, I'm so sorry. Where's Steve? And I said, he's at work. She's like, what? She called him all of a sudden, like 40 minutes later, he shows up with flour. And I'm like, your mom called you. But thank God he, she did. Because sometimes you need that extra, you know, and she showed up for like, my mother and I are very different. I'm always, this is probably the thing that I'm going to be the most thankful for, for her. She came home, grabbed my back, said, you guys are going up north. Said, Clarissa, you know, you couldn't have coffee. Now you can. Took me to Starbucks. We got a coffee. And she literally made me take a shower. And she was like, go. And even though we didn't last up north, I came back the next morning because I just couldn't. I literally was like, I woke up and the birds are singing. I'm like, why the fuck are the birds singing? Like, the whole world needs to stop. Like, this is so unfair. And I was just in such a deep hole that I was like, how am I going to get out of here? But then you do. Then you get up and like a few months later, you want to try again or you want to figure it out. And, you know, this is all just to say how deep and shit and how low you can go. And there's even harder moments that, you know, like are where you don't even want to be alive anymore. Cause you feel mm-hmm. like it's everything. It's the hormones, it's the, your head. It's, it's, you feel useless, especially in a society where, you know, like you don't talk about it so much, especially like a few years ago. Now I feel like maybe because I started the conversation with my friends, I'm opening myself up that people actually approach me for it. So I feel like the conversation's being had more, but still a lot of other people are not having this conversation. This should be explained in school. Just like how you put totally. the infertility is something very real. And it's actually becoming more real. You know, my mother-in-law then told me that day I had a miscarriage too. And I didn't know that this is my third. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know she had had one. So it's just the uh, people needing to be open. And now so many of my friends, I can literally count like probably 10 have had miscarriages and they're open about it now. Yeah, I think it's there. It adds, it's such a circle of grief and then shame because people are talking about it and what, what did I do wrong? And I think the more we share and the more this is, I guess, normalized, the less alone hopefully people will feel. And they will obviously still feel that level of grief because you have lost a child. However, I hope that by having more conversations on this topic, the loneliness aspect will be taken from that because I think that it just compounds on top of everything. And I've had uh, many of friends that have had miscarriages and, you know, my mom actually had two miscarriages. And obviously at the time I was a young kid, I didn't know what, what that even meant. I was like, oh yeah, mom miscarried. Like I didn't realize the impact of it. And like you said, we're taught from such a young age, specifically as females, like do this so you don't get pregnant, do this so you don't get pregnant as if like you walk near a penis and you're going to get pregnant. Like, honestly, there's so much fear about getting pregnant when you're young. And then you start to realize how hard it is to get pregnant. And like, I joke that you spend your teens trying not to get pregnant and then your twenties or thirties trying to get pregnant. There's no conversation of like, it can be really difficult for you. It can lead to X, Y, Z. These things can happen. You might need to take a different route than just having unprotected sex. Like I would, I think I told you this, but I was told, I actually rewatched a video that I had filmed. I was told that I was infertile before we were going to start trying. And um, my AMH came back below a lot, like it was at 0.7. And they were like, you don't have enough eggs. You're technically infertile. You're going to have to do IVF. And it was just zero to 60. I'm like, I haven't even started trying. What the hell are you talking about? And I recorded a video of me because I was like, if I'm going to go through this process. I'm going to share my whole journey. And I'm hysterical. I start hysterically crying in the video because my biggest fear was always, I wasn't going to be able to get pregnant. And I watched the video the other day and I look at the timestamp and I'm actually pregnant in that moment. I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) Because the first, the first time I found out that I had that AMH, I said to my husband, I'm like, well, the odds are so slim. Let's just like, you know, we had been pulling out for like a year. I'm like, who cares now? And we ended up somehow getting pregnant. I still don't understand how it happened, but the, the 
level of loneliness I felt in that in that week, that's all I can attest to. I cannot fathom all of that compounded on top of itself for that long. So I, I really wish that this was more of a conversation from a young age of like, this could potentially happen. And it's not just you stick the P in the V and all of a sudden you're pregnant. And not even, they don't even explain that. Like, Right. <laughs> this is like derailing a little bit, but my mom until my mom thought that you could get pregnant from the armpits because they mix the conversation with the odorant and and the to- sanitary towels, the whatever the pads. Yeah. And she was so confused that she was like like this when she was with her girlfriends out and my my aunt was like, What's wrong with you? And she's like, I don't want to get pregnant. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so you imagine, like it's also like so basic and confusing, like talk about sex. Like my son, hopefully will, I want him to have a conversation with me. I want him to understand that, you know, like not just about everybody's equal, marry who the F you want, as long as they Mm -hmm. treat you with respect and you treat them with respect. Like he knows he was in Jennifer's belly. We explained that to him since forever. He knows her, he knows her kids. And that's how we want him to grow up. But the same way that I want him to understand that infertility eventually, you know, he's still like two and a half, like three, but <laughs> that infertility is real. And the same way that I want, hopefully my daughter one day, if she ever, God forbid, has to struggle with this, I want her to be able to tell me and to talk to me about it. And to like, for me to be able to hug her and say, this is fucking bullshit. And it does suck. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm curious for people who are listening, who are potentially in or have been in your position of miscarrying. Is there something that you would want to, uh, twofold, is there something you would want to get through to those people and like let them know? And then on the flip side, as a friend of someone who is potentially going through this, I felt that such a loss of what to say. And I realized nothing I say will change anything, but is there anything that a friend could do to help someone in this moment? I mean, that's a loaded question because right. I even asked that to, I, I told my girlfriend that's miscarrying. I said like, well, I'm going to talk in a podcast. Like, is there anything that you think, you know, we talked about the fact that all her girlfriends are telling her this and her family. And she's like, it's so annoying. But then what do you say? Like what I told her me personally was, you know, um, if you feel like you need to grieve, grieve. If you want me to be there, I will be. If you don't want me to be there like a pest, I won't. Because that's another thing. We, as the people that are losing or going through the loss, as hard as it is, we need to say what we need. Like, we need to learn how to vocalize that because we are all going to need different things. Like, you know, my friend um, Houston, one time I was miscarrying and she actually, let's go for a drink. We went for a drink. Was miscarrying. And, you know, like I enjoyed my drink and, you know, I was miscarrying another, well, my, it sounds like, whoa, too many. My um, girlfriend threw me a surprise 30th birthday because I was miscarrying during then. It was literally one of the worst and best nights of my life. Like we ended up at the strip club until like four in the morning. Like, you know, it was, that's not the norm because other times I'm literally in bed for three, four days. I'm just saying we, as the people that are going through it, need to learn how to vocalize it. But the people that are next to you, need to learn how to step back a bit and try to analyze what is it that you need and not be a pest as to not a pest. Cause it's not, you maybe not the word, no, but, like, but yeah, the pressure of, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Or yeah, I'm okay. And it's fine. Don't make me feel like I need to not be okay. It's just like, take it slowly. It's not about you. It's about that person. And, and, you know, just show them that they're there. That's it. Like it, mm-hmm. it's such a hard question because I don't even know what I personally need. Right. And everyone is different. And one thing that is is separate, but I do think kind of applies here is Heather McMahon, this famous comedian who I love. Um, she lost her father recently and she started this joke thing on her podcast called like the dead, the dead dad's club. And like, she gets a lot of people that call in and share their stories. And 
so she was talking about how some people will be like, well, everything happens for a reason. You know, he's in a better place. And she's like, if anyone looks me in the fucking eye and tells me everything happens for a reason, I will punch you in the face. And she said, the only response I want to hear from someone is that fucking sucks. And I'm sorry. Yes. And I'm sorry. That's it. I'm, and I'm yeah. here for you. That's right. it. And even if you, I want you to be there for me, I'll reach out. I mean, not always. So yeah, do check in again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just like with a little bit of space, not too much space. It's like hard because it's like, it's that so means, hard. It's so hard. It's, it's not easy. What that person's going through, she doesn't know, like, or he doesn't know what they're going through. Right. Like I was a fucking mess. My husband was like, what can I do? I'm like, I don't know. Just like, like, why are you not miserable too? Like I wanted him to suffer, but then if he did, then I probably would have felt worse. Right. Mm-hmm. So who the fuck knows? <laughs> and and like you mentioned, honestly, whether you're going through this with another female as a partner or a male as a partner, I think that adds a whole new, le- like you mentioned it, and we don't have to get into that, but it does add a whole nother layer to everything because the one person is, you're both going through this emotionally, but one person is going through it physically. Yeah. And that compounds on top of the emotions. And then there's the, well, do, you don't fully understand. And the, the, the fighting on top of it. And, you know, there's no surprise. Joe and I have actually talked about this a lot. Like when we're watching TV shows of parents losing children, I don't know how you recover. Like, and you are losing a child when you're miscarrying, depending on how you're looking at things, you know? So it's so much. And I so am in awe of your grace on the subject and persistence and, I'm so happy that you have this wonderful child and I wish you all of the kids in the future that you want Um, for anyone who is at a stage where they just can't do it anymore. Can you share just quickly like your thoughts on surrogacy and your experience? Yeah. Before we, um, I say that too, I want to say one thing. Um, we can also forget about the partner because even though mm-hmm. we don't understand how they're going through it and how they're, or they don't necessarily are showing their grief in the same way, they are still are grieving. Um, so, you know, like sometimes a lot of the times we forget about the husbands and, you know, I know that my husband had a really hard time that he had to be strong for both of us. And, you know, so sometimes we have to also remember that. And then the other thing, going on to the surrogate thing or adoption adoption as well is mm-hmm. you know like this woman gave her body and gave pretty much over a year of her life for medical appointments and everything a lot of it with from her family gatherings and all that stuff for us and she pushed this baby through her vagina without um an epidural which I, that's a completely different subject what i know that's a completely different subject because she wanted to remember the, the moment as well. Um, wow. For us. Um, and, you know, that baby, that baby is our baby. And regardless of whether he's adopted or genetically ours or not, he's our baby and a baby, anybody can pop a baby. And, you know, like I was just talking about adoption. Um, and I remember how when I was little, I saw... I volunteered at Konani, which is where I want to adopt in DR. Um, and there was this baby that somebody had just left in the garbage bin. And it was like all the mice had chipped at his legs. So it was all ba- um, banded up. And I was like, one day I have to do this because there's so many kids out there. And a baby's who you raise, not who you birth. And I think I mentioned this to you the other day when Henry, Steve and I were in the park, we were sledding and he just runs back up running like mommy 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 and he's like I love you we're like kind of like a movie moment we're just like on the floor hugging and I saw the other kids around us I said nobody would know that this is a surrogate baby nobody would know anything because he's mine and regardless of anything you know like the it's just for I don't even know like for anybody that's just focusing on the future and is on like this hole right now it's just like when that light comes in the end and then when you have that child just know that you're going to understand you're going to have a deeper understanding of how fucking hard it was to get this child and, and, and just the gratefulness that you're going to feel it's going to, it's going to happen. It's going to happen either with a surrogate. It's going to happen either with adoption. It'll happen. There's a lot of other ways. Don't put yourself 
through more than you can bear just for what society, you know, is what we all think it's supposed to happen. I mean, another thing is surrogacy is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, So I understand that that is not an option for everybody. It's also not legal in every, everywhere. I'm lucky that I live in Canada, that it's, it's a legal thing. um, And that I had the support from family to be able to afford this because it's a house. (laughs) Um, but it's just, don't like, I don't even know what to say. It's like, don't give up and, and ask for help, ask for help. Because even after that surrogate has the baby, she's pregnant. You can still struggle. Even now that I have Henry, I struggle and Mm -hmm. I still, you know, and I get those questions too, that the, now they don't bother me, but I remember going to baby showers and my girlfriends were pregnant. They're like, Oh, she's having a baby too. And the older ladies were like, Oh, really? I'm like, oh yeah, I have a surrogate. Oh, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, or like, what if she runs away with the baby? I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, do you really think you want to ask that question? But yeah, it's just protect yourself and 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 you're gonna learn eventually how to deal with that type of shit. And and yeah, I don't even know where I'm going now at this point. <laughs> no, it's all helpful because I think that there's just so many things. Like there's there's so much to be said. There's so many different emotions. Again, yeah. there's no right answer or advice for anyone no. because everyone is so different. But I really just think the more we have these conversations, the more we talk about things, the less alone people will feel in all aspects of pregnancy, fertility, motherhood, everything that comes with this because it's never ending. I'm learning. Um Every week I have something new going on and I can only imagine the emotions I'm going to feel when there's actually a child in my life. So I'm so incredibly grateful for you for coming on here, for publicly sharing all of this information, for being so willing to speak with me and this community. And we have not talked at all about food, but to close the show, I do ask, (laughs) what would be the three ways to your heart through food? Three ways to my heart as in to what food? Yes. Definitely. Um, oh my God. The Hollywood gelato is an ice cream shop here. Um, the Ferrero Rocher ice cream. Oh my God. It's so good on a waffle cone. I literally have it, especially during COVID almost every night, which is awful. (laughs) Um, what else? Juanita's food. Who's our cook back home. She makes like amazing rice and beans with like ropa vieja, which is this like shredded beef and everything. And I freaking love it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what else. <laughs> Are uh, you a Nut Bar fan in Toronto? I am a huge fan. I go way too much. Way oh my gosh. Much. And my son too. My son loves their green smoothie. Um, I love their, uh, well, actually yesterday we had pancakes with the um, Nut Bartella that they have. It's so good. Oh my God. It's I so would do crazy things for a Nut Bar to open in the States. Like oh. I went to Toronto and I went every single day. I was like, I want, I wake up. I was staying with my friend <laughs> Zoe. So you, it's you would so good. Up, you would wake up and what? Sorry. I'm like, Zoe, are we going to Nut Bar? She like lived right next to one. She's like, yes, <laughs> you can go. Um, but it's delicious. Thank you so much again for doing this, for being on here, for sharing this. I really think will help a lot of women. Um, if you're listening and you're going through any of this, I hope you realize you're not alone at all. And, um, I, I am just sending you, I hate saying I'm sending you love because like love and light, but like, I really am sending you love from afar. And if anybody ever, I mean, needs to talk about it and they don't know who to reach out. There's a lot of places that you can reach out. There's a lot of really good communities. Also feel free to reach out to myself. Um, I'm more than happy to even just hear you bitch about it. Um, So I'm here because I wish more, like, you know, I wish I had a little bit more when I was going through that. So where is the best place for people to reach you? Do you want to put your Instagram handle? Instagram, you can definitely um, at Clarissa Janesa. It's kind of like my design studio one, but it's the one that I have. And yeah, just DM me and I'll happily chat with whoever. Thank you so much. That will all be in the show notes for everyone. Um, you are such a ray of sunshine. Thank you so much for being on here. And I wish you the best of luck with whatever this next journey brings you. And thank you for bringing this to light. Thank of course. You.
You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at ff and friends pod for more information on the podcast i hope you have a wonderful day and i can't wait to give you the next episode